Welcome. Good morning. Have a seat. It's good to see you all. How you doing? All right. Thanks, Mike. My name is Clayton. I'm on the teaching team. It's my honor to be here. This is the last Sunday on our series, The Circle of Love. And, uh, you know, last week I heard our senior pastor say he had a burning in his bones. I think I got one of those. I'm not sure what that means or feels like, but I've, I think we got something to say today. So I'm excited about today. Um, what I want to do is kind of actually similar to last week. So last week we ended with a question. I don't know if you remember the question or not, but you're supposed to take the question with you throughout the course of the week. The question was this. It's not on the screen. I've got it right here. Uh, to whom or where, to which neighbor am I being sent this week in order to expand the circle of love? So the, the mission, the heart behind the circle is that we take it everywhere. So this week what I want to kind of talk about is what do we encounter when we get there? What do we encounter when we get to where we're sent and to the person that we're sent to? All right? So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to read a passage. And it's a passage, if you've been in church, you know it. I think if you haven't been in church, I think you might know it. It's kind of, it's kind of famous. It's John 13. It's where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. So my ask of you this morning, though, as I read a familiar passage, is that you listen for something new. We think this thing's kind of alive. Holy Spirit kind of does some stuff with it. So there might be something new for you today as you hear familiar words, Okay. So it's John 13, there's the page up there. I think my NIV might be a little bit older, but so it should be about the same. All right, here we go. John 13, starting in verse 3 through 14. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God as returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew it was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. People of God, this is the word of God. All right. So we're going to kind of mirror last week. I have a question for you for the end. But I want to ask the question now. It's going to be on the screen along with the title of today's sermon. The title is complex simplicity. And here's the question. Do I want to love someone who opposes me? Now, the reason we're asking at the beginning is that we want to create some space here, about 30 minutes or so, for the Holy Spirit to till the soil of your heart, to till the soil of your mind, kind of turn some things over, kind of maybe bring some people to mind that maybe you're supposed to maybe love. But I want to give you some time to get there, okay? 
So we're going to unpack that. So what do I mean by oppose? Opposition can mean a whole bunch of different things. I want to start kind of broadly and kind of work our way down, okay? So if you turn on, like, the news, you will probably see someone talking. You will either align yourself with what that person is saying or you will not. Either they are with you or they are against you. You might feel like their view on a their worldview, their belief system, their thoughts on a politician or movement is different from yours. And if it's different from yours, you might think they oppose you. So the question today is in that situation is, do I want to love someone who opposes me? So as some of those things, those conversations you're watching might actually be playing out in your own houses then. You might have a different opinion with someone that you live with or you're doing life with. And because you have a different opinion, you might think that they oppose you. They have a different belief system than you. So the question for you today is, do I want to love someone who opposes me? So those are big and obvious things. Like more obvious, you might ask the people in your life who you make choices in life. We all have our own stories. We've chosen to do things or not do things, to marry people, to date people, to have this job, not that job, to go to this school, not that school. We've made choices. And there might be some people in your life who think, I don't really like your choice. I don't agree with you. You might feel like that person is opposing you or has opposed you. So the question for you today is, do I want to love someone who opposes me? And those are big things. What about like small stuff? What about like daily stuff? Like what about the person who is just always sarcastic with you? It's not the good kind of sarcasm. It's the kind where you're kind of like, I don't know if you are making fun of me or if you're saying I'm wrong or if you're telling me, I can't tell, but it makes me feel uneasy. I'm not sure what to do with you. I might feel like that person opposes me. Maybe it's the person in your, in your life, your job, that just always is picking at you, always correcting you, always saying, yeah, you, that's wrong, you got to do it this way. You, 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 no, no, that's wrong, Th- this way, this way, this way. Maybe you feel like that person opposes you. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you just really need to talk to. You need to hash some things out but they don't want to talk to you. So you're met with silence. Nothing to do with you. Maybe that feels like that person opposes you. So the question for the day, based on our text, is do I want to love someone who opposes me? It's complex, but maybe it's simple. So I would say, I think it's fair to say, in this situation, that Jesus was opposed in the upper room, right? The people he was with, his neighbors, his disciples, were going to oppose him, right? They were going to desert him and deny him. They were going to leave him. He was going to be opposed. What did he choose to do? He chose to show humility in the extreme. The one who was the master disrobed and became the least. The one who would be betrayed said, I love you anyways. The one who would be betrayed said, I I already forgive you. So this is the example, right, for us of what it means to live from the circle of love. It's, a, it's God in person giving us a tangible example that should make some sense to us because we can see it. Like we, we actually, you probably have washed someone's feet before at church, right? But perhaps because of we've heard this story so many times, there's a bit of a lullaby effect where we kind of just like, yeah, I know, Jesus washed feet. I don't really wash feet anymore. My feet aren't gross. I said, try not to have them be gross. Some of our feet are really stinky. But it's just not like a real thing anymore, so I don't really know what to do with that. But I think as I've done that in the past, I, have, I haven't really taken into account the complexity of Jesus' ask of me, nor the simplicity of his ask. 
So just to do a little bit of defining, right? So we have some definitions for you. If something is complex, is something or situation that is consisting of many different and connected parts. So there's a lot of, a lot of things at play. But if something is complex, it does not necessarily mean it's complicated. If it's complicated, it's hard to understand. I don't get it. But is Jesus asked complicated? No, it's simple. And what does simple mean? Thank you, slide for it. Yep. Quality condition of being easy to understand. Jesus says, in the face of opposition, you have to wash your feet. He talks about it later. He talks about the world. He's got to wash their feet too. People within the world got to wash their feet. It's not hard to understand what we're supposed to do. But because of life, because I'm involved, it becomes very complex. And so why, I guess, and I think it's complex to me. It's not, it, it's simple, but it's hard to do. I think it's complex because that's just not how I think. Maybe you, I'll, talk, I'll only speak for me. It's kind of counterintuitive for me. I'm kind of trained, like, in our world to think about myself, right? I saw a graph in a book recently that showed all a bunch of major countries of the whole entire world that are more community-based and more individualistic. And obviously the United States of America is way over here on the individualistic side of things, right? There's like some phrases I found that are, I think kind of allude to this. There's one, it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Who's the beholder? Me. I'll choose what's beauty and what's not, right? Think for yourself. Who's doing the thinking? Me. The customer is always right. Well, I'm the customer. So that means I'm right. If I'm right, you can't be right. We can't both be right. So who's right? I don't know. Me. Hmm. The last one is if it feels good, do it. If it feels good to me, I'll do it. Disregard for you. I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to put you in front of me. I'm going to do it because it feels good for me. So this is the world I live in. So I'm not surprised that this very simple directive is actually really complex for me to do. So to piggyback off last week's message about who's our neighbor and our neighbors who we live with, right? They're around us. We have lots of neighbors, but who's really our neighbor? Probably people in our own house. They're in my, on my team at school. They're in my pod at work. And the people I actually live with. So what if... The one who opposes me is my neighbor. People I'm in direct relationship with. Do I want to love my neighbor when they oppose me? Because they will, right? They're going to oppose me. We're going to have a difference of opinion. It's going to happen. The question today is, do I want to love them? So Jesus, his neighbors in the passage already said, they deserted him. They left him. They, they betrayed him. They denied him to his face. I've been trying to imagine this because I don't have like a frame of reference for it. I'm trying to imagine like a moment in my life where I, I'm at the end of my rope. I, I'm not sure. What, I'm, I'm desperate. And my wife would say to me, I don't even know you. I'm not going to have. I can't even imagine what Jesus felt as he was betrayed to his death. But I did have this thought. Because of Jesus' response, because he knew what was coming, he said, even though, even though you're going to do all those things, I'm still going to love you. Even though you're going to do that, I'm going to forgive you. I thought, what was the response of his disciples afterwards? His neighbors, those he was doing life with. Well, they would die for him. They would go to the end of the known world for him. They would share all they had with everybody else for him. They would, they would, they would actually walk people through, take two to three years. This is what it might mean for you to follow Jesus. They would invest two to three years in people who may or may not follow Jesus. Because they experienced that upper room. What if my neighbors had the same experience? Even with differences of opinion, what would 
what would my relationship be like? But it's got me thinking about that even more. So I'm thinking about just me and the person who's opposing me. But then I have other neighbors. How does my response impact my other neighbors? I have little kids. We all have families. If I choose to forgive to love, to wash the feet of, to practice humility to someone who opposes me and my kids watch me, what might they do? How are they going to choose to live life? It's not just about me. It's, just not, it's not just about me and the person I'm, I'm disagreeing with. It's about a lot of other people. So I wondered how we do this. <laughs> In a sense, we need some like supernatural power to actually do this because it's, I mean, it's just so counterintuitive for me. So I want to introduce you to something called the nitrate ion. This is coming from the guy who took conceptual physics and not chemistry because it was too hard for me in high school, all right? So what you're going to see up here is three things, right? So the nitrate ion's in the middle. And what usually, this is pretty cool in science, right? A, 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 a structure is like the one on the left. It bonds with just one thing. So usually ions bond with one thing. But the weird thing about this one is that it actually bonds with all three at the same time. So the nitrate ion is not just the one structure, it's all three. And those are oxygen molecules around it. And you can't tell which oxygen molecule is actually working with the nitrate. It's constantly bonding with all three all at the same time. It's almost as if this illogical idea of the, that God is one and three and three and one is actually interwoven into our known world into how we live. Because see, see, the nitrate, when it bonds with the three, when it, it then interacts with my body, it becomes nitric oxide, I believe. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. And that actually helps my blood to flow. It helps me to be healthy. It's almost like the Trinity structure is helping me to just live and breathe. Well, that's kind of crazy, right? That's just playing enough to mine or just mine. I think that's so cool. So I, what I think is, so how do we do this? How, how do we love someone who opposes us? I think we have to be like the nitrate. I think we need three oxygen. We've been talking about it for weeks. Can we put the circle of love up next to the nitrate? I forgot to do that. Look at that. They look kind of the same. That's super cool. But it's complex. Life is complex because I'm involved. But the acid is so simple. So what if it was more simple. So I learned so much from my little children. I've learned so much about the simplicity of childlike faith. So my little girl's four. She says to me all the time, she says, Daddy, 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 whenever you're scared, whenever you're scared, just say, Jesus, come be with us. And it works. I have said that prayer. At night, when I've been, who, you know, nighttime, just weird stuff happens in your mind. At nighttime, I'm like, man, Jesus, come be with me. I can sense his presence. Something shifts. Because my four-year-old said, Jesus, just come be with us. So the other morning, I was thinking about that. I was reading, preparing for today, and she's super into coloring right now. So I said, Kai, would you color, would you draw the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit for me? She goes, yeah. Here it is. If I asked you to draw Father, Son, Spirit, what would you do? She made three people, and she's four. Not wisps, not smoke, not... I said, Kai, why is Holy Spirit red? He's on the far right. So that's Father, Son, Spirit. That's Mommy, Daddy, Kai, and Koda above. But why, why red? She goes, so we can see him better. 
I was like, come on, I have to use that. That's amazing. So what if, what if it's not as complex as we think? What if it is, but it isn't? Well, it's actually quite simple. I think we need to be like the nitrate. I mean, three oxygen. So first we have to know the father. As I'm thinking about today, what story comes to mind for me about the father is the prodigal son. Think about someone who's opposing me, right? If you know the stories, the parables Jesus tells, the son, I mean, directly opposes his dad. Not just his dad, but like his family and his community, everybody. He's like, I don't want anything to do with any of you. I don't like any of you. I just want my money. I don't want, I don't like you. I don't like your belief system. I don't like what you think. Nothing. Just give me the money and I'm going to leave. Father says yes, surprisingly. It's wild. What a father. Son realizes that life's not what he thought it was going to be, so he returns home. As he's returning home, his father sees him, right? His father runs to him, hugs him, kisses him, welcomes him. So I'm thinking about this story, though, for us. If we're going to love someone who opposes us, I think there's two ways to think about it from our perspective and then from someone else's. So I think some of us just don't know that that's what the Father's actually like. That when we have left and run away, that he actually, he's just waiting for us. He has already forgiven us. And then I was thinking about, why did he, the Father run? Like, you've heard this story, right? And maybe some of you know. Why did he run? It's because the community of people we're going to go and make an example of that son. He dishonored us. He disowned us. He's a, he's a laughing stock. He's a joke. We don't, like, we don't like him. I want nothing to do with him. They're probably going to come out and, who knows, maybe kill the son for how he dishonored his father. And the father has to beat them there. So think about, do we want to love someone who opposes us? We live in a culture where we just judge everybody instantly. There's a whole documentary about people who've been prejudged before the trial, actually. And it doesn't matter what the trial says, they've already been judged. Maybe we need to be like the Father, and we need to pursue people, and we have to get there first. We want to tell people the truth. I do. Okay, tell people the truth. What's the truth? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will never die. Once you're in the circle, you can't come out of the circle. That's the truth. And when someone approaches me with that, and then they correct me because we all need correction, right? We all, I messed up. I'm more willing to receive correction when I first know that I am loved, that I'm forgiven, that they want, they, they love, they will my good. They, they want the best thing for me. I'm like, yeah, help me to know the Father. Oxygen number one. Oxygen number two, circle of love is the Son. So I was preparing for today and we have a great example in John 13 of the love of Jesus, right? That was in Mark. And uh, again, think about this from your perspective and then someone else's. Mark 1, there's this guy who comes to Jesus and he has leprosy. But it's not like leprosy like, like you think. It's not just a skin condition, right? If you drill down into it, actually, there's something so internally wrong with the man, with the person. There's something that is so afflicting him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something he has done, if it's bitter, who knows, whatever is it's so broken inside of him, it's actually presenting itself outside of him. So what is so messed up in him, everybody can now see. And you know what they did to him? They judged him. You go live outside of town. We don't want you inside of town. I don't know what you did exactly, but it is bad, and I don't want you here. 
What does that man say to Jesus? He comes to Jesus and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He didn't ask to be healed. He said, if you're willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can forgive me. You can wash me. I can become a new person, but I need you. I need to be clean. And Jesus looks at this broken man inside and outside and says, I am willing. Be clean. I can't help but wonder if someone here today feels like I am so broken inside. It is manifesting itself outside and now everyone is judging me. To you, I say today, Jesus says, I am willing. You can be clean. And we need to be people who do that, who see the brokenness, who don't judge and say, let me tell you about somebody named Jesus. You can be clean, not judge, right? So two oxygens down, one more to go. Know the Father, know the Son, and then pursue and know the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus later in this discourse says this, uh, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears from the Father and Son. He'll tell you what's next to come. So I've been studying this text with a young man. His name is Jaden. He's a deep thinker. He's brilliant. So we've been assessing this. And he says to me, Clay, do you hear the urgency in Jesus' voice? I said, no, tell me about it. He goes, it's like Mission Impossible. It's like Ethan Hunt. He gets, he gets the disc. He gets the little thing. He says, this is your mission. Here's enough to get you going. Like, but then you have to go. You have to go out. And when you need to know how to love someone, you need to know how to forgive someone. It's not going to feel like I can. Holy Spirit's going to say, this is how you do it. And so I was like, yeah. So what, what, what if we had that sense of urgency? What if you felt like today there is somebody that I need to make things right with? It has to happen today. We have to talk. Don't let them get away from you. Say, would you forgive me? Because if there's a fight, I'm sure it's both sides, right? What if we had a sense of urgency to love and have practice humility and to will their good and then to forgive? What if we had that? What would it be like in our neighborhoods? So who's going to help us wash feet? It's Holy Spirit. And I told you a story about Kai, how it's as simple as her Jesus prayer is. But what if the Holy Spirit's not so different? So I heard this story as of a worship couple and they're trying to help their kids understand that there's a father and a son and a Holy Spirit and trying to explain all this. You know, at our house, we say that, you know, the Holy Spirit and we're supposed to love each other, take care of each other, protect each other. They're telling their kids, well, Holy Spirit helps you do that. He's the one who helps us today. So this couple's in a car ride and they're driving somewhere and, you know, car rides with kids starts off well, descends into chaos. We're fighting, we're screaming, we're not sharing, we're throwing things, we're swinging arms at each other. And mom has this aha. She goes, kids, how do we love each other and take care of each other and protect each other? We need Holy Spirit. Get him back here. And the kids start going, Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come back. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, where are you? Help us do this Holy Spirit. And she said, the funniest thing happened. They started giggling and laughing and playing together. It's like the Holy Spirit actually came into the car, responded to their cries for help, and helped them to do those things. What if loving someone is not so different? What if forgiving someone is not so different? It's got to ask for help. I try to imagine Father, Son, and Holy Spirit watching this car and seeing these small children and their simple childlike faith. 
saying, man, Holy Spirit, we need you. Come help me. I can't do this. I'm broken. But you can. Come on. Can you imagine? So we use words like love. Sometimes it's hard. So I'm asking you the question today. Do you want to love someone who opposes you? Do you want to love your neighbor when they oppose you? Maybe it's not today. Maybe it's not tomorrow. <laughs> I heard of someone say they're walking out. I don't know of anyone who opposes me. <laughs> I was like, good for you. All right. But some of us have some people, right? So we're asking that question. So what does that look like? What could that mean? And so Paul, this guy in the Bible, talks a lot about love, and he kind of breaks it out. And so I want to just read, as you consider, do I want to love someone who opposes me today? To will very good over my own, to be willing to forgive them before they forgive me. Just listen to these words, and maybe they'll help you think of, I don't know, who it is and how to do it. Maybe just close your eyes just, and just listen So love is patient. It never gives up. It keeps on trying. It doesn't walk away. Love is kind. It cares more for others than for self. It's not me, me, me. I see other people. Love does not envy. It doesn't want what it doesn't have. I already have what I need. Love does not boast. It doesn't strut. It has true humility. It sees itself rightly. Love does not dishonor others. It doesn't force itself on others. It's not pushy. It's not against. Love is not self-seeking. It isn't always me first. I take my turn in humility. Love is not easily angered. It doesn't fly off the handle. I listen first, not anger first. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Love does not delight in evil. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Love rejoices with the truth. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love always protects. It puts up with anything. It has a super, super, super long fuse. It's really, 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 really patient. Love always trusts. It trusts God always. Love always hopes. It always looks for the best. It looks for the wheat among the weeds. And love always perseveres. It never looks back, but it keeps going to the end. There's no regrets, no grudges, no fuming. Love is in this for the long haul. It wills the good of another. So you're going to have two minutes here. And I'll close. But put the question on the screen one more time, if you can. Do I want to love someone who opposes me? It's your choice today. Two minutes.
Thank you for doing that. So do you want to love someone who opposes you? If so, I would write down their name after this. I would think about how to do that. And maybe you are like me and you realize, I need a little help. You know we have people who pray up here after service. There's people who pray in the other room. And something crazy happens when someone puts a hand on you and they pray for you. It's almost like something shifts or can change. It's almost like power from somewhere else can kind of come and be a part of you. And you can live from that. So would you consider being prayed for? And I had another thought. I, I don't know. Um, perhaps you're with someone who you feel like opposes you right now. You feel like you're at odds. And I wonder, the people who pray here and they also pray in that room, if you get prayed for together. Coming forward to get prayed for is like an act of like agreement, almost. And in Matthew 18, Jesus is talking. And he says something interesting. He says, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So if what we agree is with what he agrees, and I think he would love relationships that are right, righteousness, right? I think that could be a powerful prayer. So two things just to consider. So we invite the band up. I'll pray. I'm going to pray the same prayer I prayed at the start. There would just be a washing that takes place in this room. That you would cleanse us. I love what Mike did that he led us in confession. So if I can, on behalf of us, I'd like to confess that we are broken, sinful people who are selfish, who ruin relationships and who oppose people. And we just ask for your forgiveness for the things that we have done and left undone and said and not said. We ask for your forgiveness. And I pray through you just your supernatural power, Holy Spirit, that you would come into our relationships today and tomorrow and the days to come, that you would make them right, that we'd have humility, that we would choose to will the good of another over ourselves, and that we would choose to forgive even before we're forgiven. We praise things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.